Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. King Jesus. See, throughout history, kings and queens have ruled and reigned over their kingdoms. Good kings administered justice and peace overall. And, and evil kings wielded their power and authority to gain, to, to gain for personal gain and to use their violence to oppress the poor and take advantage over them so that they could get more, obtain more, have larger kingdoms, be able to get more wealth. See, some kings reign for days, and some kings reign for decades. David was the greatest king Israel ever had, and Queen Elizabeth is the longest reigning monarch in all of England's history. And yet their rule and their reign was limited by time and space. So the title of our message this morning as we walk into the series is simply this, King Jesus, the Unexpected King. See, this morning we're going to look at the story of Jesus' birth. You know, for many of us, if you've been in church for more than kind of one year, one Christmas, we all know that story. We all know the birth and how it came about. You know, Mike so beautifully read it to us this morning. But you see, Jesus was the unexpected king. He was born not in a palace, but in a stable. Not in royal robes, but with worldly wealth. But he came with nothing. He befriended fishermen and ate with common people. He was cruelly mocked by the crowds and suffered at the hands of insecure authorities. His throne became a cross and his crown was made of thorns. But have you ever thought 
the Christmas, that the Christmas story just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you were to go and to orchestrate the story about King Jesus being born, the one that had been promised for so many centuries, so many decades, I don't know about you, but I would have done it very, very differently. Because babies are a really big deal. You know, this morning uh, in our parents' room at the back, we've got a baby whose very first Sunday is today. Nat and Paul have brought Caleb and they've been, it's their first Sunday since Christmas due to a whole range of things. And so this morning, we want it, Caleb, I want to welcome you to your church. Because babies are a really big deal. Around our world in 2021, we spent $3.9 billion advertising baby stuff. Babies are a really big deal. I mean, we have these things called baby reveal parties where we blow up balloons with colored confetti. My favorite YouTube videos is of a mum and dad and there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of balloons and they pop it and the balloon pops and blue confetti comes out and instantly the wife begins to punch the husband. Clearly she wanted a girl, not a boy. We have these things called baby reveal parties. We have these things called baby showers where friends turn up with presents and food and games and more food and you eat lots of food and you do lots of games and other stuff that happens at baby showers. And then there's these, you know, we have gifts upon a baby's birth. You know, when a baby's born and people can bring gifts to the baby. And then we have baby push presents where, where husbands buy wives presents on the arrival because they gave birth to this baby. And I, my question is, and any gentleman, it was really hard watching our wives go through, you know, is anyone else here with me? Or you're way wiser than I am because I'm getting in trouble after I said that. You know, there's, there's, babies are a really big deal. And at the birth of a baby, we find today that we have clean hospitals, we have mood music in the background, we have just the light writing, we have drugs for the pain, we have doctors and nurses and midwives, and then there's some guy, some there, somewhere with really big eyes and he's the dad and they're all there to help to help everyone monitor and make sure that the birth goes well and the baby is healthy and safe and all goes as expected but see not that first Christmas there was no baby reveal party no baby showers no push presents no no doctors nurses or midwives but there was a dad with really big eyes and here is where a king was born. He was born to the most unexpected couple, to a virgin in a filthy barn in a dark, cold, dingy place with animals, with dirty animals all around. And they laid Jesus, the king, in the animal feeding trough. And this is where they lie, the king of kings, our king Jesus. I don't know about you, but have you ever read the Christmas story and thought it is so bizarre and yet so beautiful about that first Christmas? See, it's the story of the unexpected, the birth of an unexpected king. Not that his birth, that his coming was going to be unexpected, his coming was going to be unexpected, that, but that he came in an unexpected way to do unexpected things, to live an unexpected life. 
to serve and hang out with the most unexpected people he could have ever hung out with. And to die the most unexpected death. But the greatest of all unexpectations, don't even know if that's a word. But the greatest of all unexpectations is that three days later, he unexpectedly rose again. So as we read this first Christmas story, hopefully through a new lens, an unexpected lens, we find three things that we can't help but notice. First thing that we can't help but notice is his, hum- his humility. See, Jesus was never born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was never born in the richest of the rich with, gro- with, with purple robes and gold flowing all around him. He wasn't built, he wasn't born into a palace to protect him from the outside world. He was born in a stable to peasant parents, forced to flee as a refugee to Egypt. His life from beginning to end was marked with humility and suffering. He was and is our humble king. A king who identifies with our humility and our humanity and our suffering. I love the fact that our God understands what pain is like. He understands what grief of loss is like. He understands the things that we go through are like because he was born into a very similar life just like us. He knew normal people just like us. See, we have a sovereign God who controls everything. We have a divine king who is above all other kings. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, it says this. And he had no equal status with God. But he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Not at all. When it came time, he set aside the privileges of his deity, God and king, and took on the status of a slave to become human. Having become human, he stayed human. He was incredibly hu- it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim such special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfish, selfless life, obedient life. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death crucifixion. See, what I find so intriguing about the Christmas story is it's the story of an unexpected God who came down to be with us. And rather than demanding worship and followership and allegiance from people, in the ultimate act of love, in the ultimate act of sacrifice, Jesus laid aside his privileges that were his because of his stature and who he was. And he chose the cross and he chose you. And this is our king. And it was, it was always the plan for King Jesus to leave the throne room of heaven and establish his kingdom of God on earth. Not not like anyone else thought it because it was unexpected. The birth of the King Jesus was prophesied for centuries 
through when Daniel was in exile. It was recorded in the book of the Babylonians. And seven centuries later, the Magi followed the trail of prophetic promises all the way to a little country town called Bethlehem. And they looked for a king in a palace, but they found a king in a stable. The second thing we can't help notice is that his purpose is you. See, he came all the way from heaven to earth. He came all the way for one purpose. In Matthew chapter 22, we find an exchange between Jesus and a bunch of religious leaders. And it said this, when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religious scholars spoke to them, posing the question that hoped to show him up. Teacher, which commandment in God's laws is the most important? See, here is Jesus, God with skin on. And in the moment where he can reveal whatever he wants to reveal, in a moment where he wants to declare what is the most important thing for him and for us, in a moment where he could say whatever he wanted to, he declares his purpose. And he says, love God, earn lots of money, figure out when end times will happen and whether Donald Trump really is the Antichrist. No, 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 he doesn't say any of that. He simply says this. He pauses, not for, because he's unsure, but for effect. Everyone's listening, everyone's leaning in. And Jesus simply says, love God with everything you are. Love God with your mind, your body, and your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. See, church, why have we made our faith so complicated today? Why do we debate over so many different ideas and topics and personal opinions and different things? I mean, when Jesus had an opportunity to share God with skin on what was most important, he narrowed it all down and said, you know what, you know what, guys, if we catch nothing else, if you never hear anything else from this platform except for Jesus and what is most important to Jesus, he stops and he says, the most important two things are this, I just want you to love me with everything that you are. You know what I want you to do? I want you to love the world just like you love yourself. And that's where he stops and he steps away from the table. And in that moment, we discover God's purpose. In Luke chapter 19, we find another interaction between a, a young short guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And Jesus, and Zacchaeus is up a tree. He's, he's eavesdropping, he's trying to watch in on Jesus in the conversation. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was the most hated of hated people. And we find this interaction between Jesus and the most hated of all Jews, a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And he says these words, Jesus, publicly. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the ones who have it all together, who are good enough and worked hard enough. No, that's not what it says. It said, 
The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. The message version translates it like this. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. You know what I love about that? Is that once upon a time I was lost. What I love is the fact that every one of us at some point, whether that's now or in our past, were lost. And Jesus came to find us and restore us to him. That's us. We were the lost ones. We were the ones that were trying to fill a void in our life. We were trying to do it through parties and and drinking and, and friends and fun and relationships and cars and money and work and sex and whatever. We were trying to find fulfillment in all of these things. And all we found in return was emptiness. You see, without Jesus, you will never find fulfillment and purpose. Jesus calls us to love and to live like he lived and loved, to serve others. He said it's better to give than receive. And as we love Jesus and serve others, we find fulfillment and we find our purpose. And lastly, last thing we can't help but miss or can't help but see we can't help but respond to Jesus in worship. See, the birth of the king that day was not a last-minute decision. The birth of the king that day wasn't a flip of a coin. It wasn't a flip of a coin to come and fix the problems of a world. It was and always be the one and only plan that God always had. From the very beginning of God, from the very beginning of time, from generation, from Genesis chapter 1, all the way to the stable that night, and all the way to today. And that night, the Magi came, and were filled with overjoyed, and it said that they bowed down and they worshipped the newborn king, and they presented him with gifts and presents. King Jesus was born. He was born that night to live a life and die a death to show us how much God loves us. To do the one thing that we can and could never do. To pay the price of sin. 1 John chapter 4 says this. This is how God showed His love love the word among. It doesn't say that God was sitting on high and he kind of hinted at his love. But he showed his love among us. That he sent his one and only son into the world that we, we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God's grace is bigger than our sin. And I don't know about you, but as you hear those verses, as you hear that Christmas story, I can't help but respond to God in worship and gratitude because He is our living hope. He is the one that 
that paid the price for the consequences of our sin. The hope that conquered death, conquered the devil's evil schemes, that overcame sin so that we may have forgiveness from our past, hope for our present, and the promise of eternity with Him. King Jesus, the unexpected King, our living hope. It was 1938. World War II was just around the corner. And at the end of that year, on the 9th of November, Hitler gathered in Berlin and in, in thousands of other villages all around Germany. Thousands of people gathered with Bibles in front of large fires. And they began burning Bibles to try and stop the Christian faith to eradicate the Jews. Over the preceding, over the, the years to come, over six million Jews were murdered. But a few years after World War II finished, a few years after Hitler's death, in the very same house where Hitler was born, the first ever Gutenberg printing press was put. It was set up to print Bibles. Since then, over 80 million Bibles have been printed every single year. See, God works in unexpected ways. Hitler tried to stop Jesus. The devil tried to stop Jesus. The religious leaders tried to stop Jesus. Pontius Pilate tried to stop Jesus. But they never expected what Jesus would do. The unexpected king, our living hope. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.